All right, so first of all, first of all, big, a big thank you to uh, Miss Miss David Fleischman for opening their home. It's always a, it's always a tremendous, tremendous chus for for all of us to get together in different homes and you know and uh, and give people the opportunity to bring Torah and to bring Yidin into the home. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It only is the source of brach and and shefa mamish and Hashem should bless them together with all of us to have simcha nachas and brach mamish adlitai. We should be zeichet to see mamish. Uh, Nisim, open miracles. We have him as All right, so, you know, when it comes to Hanukkah, there's like a million and a half things to talk about. So, you know, very often when I, when I have to, when, when there's a shear, the flyer comes first, you know, so I have to come up with the title before I have the, the shear. So the title was something like, something about the dreidel, like the luck of the dreidel, something like that. So I, that's, so I now have to talk about the dreidel. That's what we're talking about. So one of the, one of the stranger minhagim that we have um, is this idea of playing dreidel in Hanukkah. It's a very, very strange thing. Usually when it comes to Yiddishkeit, we have mitzvahs, whether they're biblical, rabbinic, or even customs, but customs usually are considered to be legitimate when they're in the context of serving a mitzvah, protecting a mitzvah. You know, so let's say for, for a man wearing a yarmulke, that's a minik because and the reason why that's legitimate is because it, it, it brings a person, you know, it, it reminds a person of their bonish loylam, which is a necessary component to be... Uh, a good Jew. So whenever there's a minig, it has to be in the context of some mitzvah, again, something. Uh, then you have the dreidel. It's like a funny thing. It's a funny thing. Exactly where it comes from, how old it is, it's, it's not clear. But uh, something that lasted that long, we're talking about, you know, at least a thousand years, something that lasted that long within the Jewish people is certainly not insignificant. It's not insignificant at all. So it's hard to say you know, halachically, like what the deal is with playing a dreidel. It's not like you have to play dreidel on Hanukkah, but if that's something that the Jewish people do, especially the children, so that's a, it's something to investigate. So what's this Indian of playing dreidel? Okay, so we'll put that to the side, as Hashem will get back to it. So you know, whenever we have mitzvahs, whenever we have halacha, halacha is, is it, halacha doesn't just tell us like physically and practically what to do. Every detail in halacha is also telling us something about, besides the, the, the practicality of what to do, it's also telling us something about Avedis Hashem, about serving Hashem in general. So one is able to look at a particular halacha and maybe the physical, practical application of it is not so relevant, but the message behind it and the lesson in Avedis Hashem is always relevant. So when it comes to Hanukkah candles, there's there is a certain halacha when it comes to Hanukkah candles, which in chutzlars generally we most people don't do. Um, so even if you don't actually practically do this, the message behind it is very very important. The Gemara says that by Hanukkah, so we light the Hanukkah menorah again every night of Hanukkah. We know now the Gemara says where should you where should the menorah be placed? The physical place where should the menorah be positioned to light it properly? So the Gemara says it's well known. The Gemara says that by the that under under uh, optimal conditions, where you're not concerned about goyim or you know vandalism or anything like that. So the optimal place of the menorah, as we know, is by the door, is by the door on the outside of the door. And the Gemara says more specifically, now that it's by the door, we're by the door. So the Gemara says as follows: that the, the when you walk into a home, so the mezuzah is on the right side. When you, as you walk in, it's on the right. Says the Gemara, the mezuzah is on the right. The menorah should be on the left. Okay. 
Says the Gemara, fine. So it's by the door, and it's by the left side of the door in particular. Says the Gemara then, okay, but where along that doorpost? So the Gemara says it should be as follows. It should be specifically less than 10 tfachim from the, from, the, from the ground. So you count 10 tfachim within 10 tfachim of the ground. That's where the menorah is preferably supposed to be. Then the Gemara says even more specific. Within the 10 tfachim, though, it should be within the, the top 7 tfachim. So 3 tfachim above the ground, within 10 tfachim of the ground. You follow? That's really the optimal position of where the menorah should be. Now, the reason why the menorah is by the door... And the reason why the menorah is, is, is low, but again, not mamish on the floor, raised three tfachim, but below ten, on a simple level, in a simple interpretation, the Gemara says the reason for that is, is because one of the major components of Hanukkah candles, as we know, is Pesulminisa. We want to publicize the miracle. We want to get people to think about Hanukkah as much as possible. So that's why it's by the door. People passing by, you're able to see it. It's Persuminisa, publicizes the miracle. And that's also the reason, says the Gemara, why the menorah is positioned low. Usually when you have candles, so candles which are to give light and to illuminate a room, you keep them high, right? The lights are on the ceiling. So if a person passes by and they see the menorah high up, they might not realize that it's Rechanika. Maybe they just think the guy wants to have a, a lit up doorway. So that's why we specifically put it by the door so that people should notice it. And it should specifically be low to tell people, like, why in the world would a guy have a candle and his menorah so low to the ground? Uh, it must be that he's not trying to illuminate the doorway. It's for Hanukkah. So that's the reason why it's, why it's by the door, and it's specifically low. What still needs explanation, though, is, okay, so why not all the way low? You know what I'm saying? So wh- wh- why, why are we, why does the Gemara say, but specifically, but it should be above three tzvachim? I mean, once you're trying to keep it low because you want it to be noticeable and obvious for the miracle of Hanukkah, then go all the way. Allah should be, it should mamish be on the floor. No, 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 not mamish on the floor. Three tfachim above the floor, but still low to the ground. Where is that coming from? Another thing that we have to keep in mind is that, okay, so it has to be by the door, and it has to be low, I get it. But why on the left side? Why on the left side? Why not the right side too? So the Gemara says, for that, a different reason. The Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says because it comes out, if you put it on the left side, that you have, this is how the Gemara puts it, you have a mezuzah on the right, and you then have a menorah on the left, and it turns out, and, like, and once we light the menorah, so you're mesuvah by mitzvahs, you're surrounded by mitzvahs, it's a beautiful thing, you're surrounded by mitzvahs, okay. <clears throat> now that needs explanation, what is, is this ending of being surrounded by mitzvahs? But one final piece of the puzzle is the following, one of the, it's an interesting thing, the first the first actual, like, safer to ever be written by an individual person, you know, because if you think about it, by a, like, nowadays there's farm being printed in Mamish every single day. But if you think about it, in our people's history, like, you have Chomish, you have Tanakh, that's not, I mean, it's written by specific people, but that's like a Kal Yisrael, you know, those are Kal Yisrael's farm. And then you have Mishnayis, and you have Gemara, it's also authored by groups of people. But the first safer to actually ever be printed as an individual person with their individual ideas was a sefer that's called the Sheiltis of Rabbi Chai Gain. Rabbi Chai Gain was one of the Gainim, he's one of the leaders of the Jewish people. Right after the end of the Gemara, we're talking about Iraq in around the year 700 or so. It was the first sefer to be printed, Sheiltis. So this sefer, Sheiltis, he, he, it goes on the order of the Parsha, but he uses the Parsha, it's just an interesting thing to know, he uses the Parsha as a springboard to talk about different halachas. So, in the um, in Parshas Veshev, he talks about the Lachas of Hanukkah. It's uh, that time of year, so he quotes this Gemara that I mentioned before that the menorahs that the mezuzah is on the left, 
the menorah is on the right, and, uh, and the Gemara says, therefore you're surrounded by mitzvahs. And the Shiltis adds in one added sentence. He says, the mezuzah is on the, le- on the right, the menorah is on the left, and the one line of the menorah is wearing tzitzis. That's the way it's supposed to be. Tzitzis. I mean, tzitzis is a nice thing, but like, what's going on here? So as I said, that, that, th- th- this, this halacha of where the menorah is supposed to be led, as I said, is not something that most people in chutzlarts do. Right, the custom by most people in Chutzlaritz is either by the window. Chassidim still do it by the door, but in you know in another room, not necessarily by the front door. So there's all different uh, different minhagim. But this is the way it's supposed to be. Like I said, but even if a person doesn't keep, is not able to keep the practical halacha, and the Gemara already says that that at a time of danger when you're worried about anti-Semitism or vandalism and things like that, then you keep it inside the house. That's fine. So it's legitimate the way we do it. But even if we're not actually keeping it the way in, under optimal conditions, the message behind it is still relevant for us. So this is the question that we have to deal with. What is the, what's the panemius? What's the message? What's the lesson of Ayatis Hashem that we learn from this positioning of the menorah? That it should again be on the left side, low to the ground, but not too low. And this idea that the Shiltis brings up, which is the mezuzah on the one side, menorah on the other, and the person lying the menorah wearing tzitzis. What's the message behind all of this? Okay, so, you know, when it comes to Hanukkah, one of the most classic svarim that uh, is like, he could be talking about like, I don't know, he could be talking about Pesach and it's Hanukkah, you know, is the Bnei Sashar. The Bnei Sashar, Bnei Sashar was Ratsuya uh, Lamelech of Dinav. He's a defendant. Oh, an Ain- Ain- <laughs> yeah. So uh, Bnei Sashar was a very, 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 very big person. Bnei Sashar was... Uh, I, th- I think you mentioned by the Nishmash here, you probably gave it over. Okay, so those that... Those that, that you'll say much. Uh, <laughs> the Bnei was, he was a nephew of the great Tzaddik, the Naim Lamelech, the Melech of Lezhansk. So he was the nephew of the Naim Lamelech. His name was Tzvi Lamelech. And when he got old enough to, to go to Yeshiva and to learn, his uncle, his great uncle, the Naim Lamelech, was ready Nifter. So he went to go learn by one of the, the great students of his uncle, the Chayz of Lublin, the great seer of Lublin. And the story goes that when the Bnei Sashar went to the Chayzer for the first time to go learn, the Chayzer looked at him and he said, ah, my Hanukkah lamp, my Hanukkah candle. It's like it was the middle of the summer, whatever it was, you know. And so like, it was a, so the Chayzer said to him, he said, let me ask you something. It's Vimelech. He said, Hershmelech, he's the call, Hershmelech. Why is it, did, did you ever think, why is it that you love Hanukkah so much? And... The Bnei Sasser said, he said to him, he said, later on he told the story, he said that, you know, he was thinking when his Rebbe said that to him, that like, it's not true. Like, whatever he's learning, whenever it is, he's always like, he always loves about Hanukkah, he always thinks about Hanukkah. So the Chayzeh says, why do, you, why do you think you think about Hanukkah so much? I guess I like Hanukkah. He said, I'll tell you why. He said, when, by the story of Hanukkah, so the Gemara says in Shabbos that the first year that it took place, it was still a debate amongst the Sanhedrin at the time whether to make this an official holiday for the whole Jewish people. Usually, when we talk about a holiday for the Jewish people, it has to be a miracle that took place to the Jewish people. So Pesach, we were all taken out of Mitzrayim and so on. Hanukkah is a little bit funny because the miracle really took place to a handful of Jews, to the Chashmanoim. So even though it was a great miracle, and now, like in hindsight, looking back historically, it was 
it was it was a it was a, it was a a national miracle because of you know historically then they were able to establish a kingdom and we were sovereign for close to 200 years and it it made a, it was a big deal but at the time you know you don't necessarily have the perspective of history so at the time it seemed like a miracle that happened to just a handful of Jews so should this be a a universal holiday for all time so the Gemara says that it was over a year. They debated it over a year. Only by the second Hanukkah was it decided that we're going to make Hanukkah. The Chayzulin told the Bnei Sosler, he said that you were a reincarnation of one of the members of that Sanhedrin. And you were fighting, you were pushing that whole year that Hanukkah should be a Yantif. And eventually, after a year of fighting back and forth, they listened to you. But because of that, you're Mamish Hanukkah, you're Mamish Hanukkah. And he, and he said, and specifically, you are a reincarnation. That member of Sanhedrin was from the tribe of Yisachar. Tribe of Yisachar. That's why the Bnei Sasla, right? It's a Sefer. It's a Sefer going according to the months. So the simple, he calls the Sefer Bnei Sasla. So the, re, the simple reason why it's called Bnei Sasla that he says in the introduction is because there's a Pasuk that says, Bnei Sasla, Yaydeh bin Le'itim. That the tribe, that the people of Yisachar know how to, know, know times. They keep uh, a record of time. So, uh, that, since the Sefer is about the month, so he calls it Bnei Sasser. But the tradition amongst the Chesidim is that he called it Bnei Sasser because of this, uh, this revelation that his Rebbe told him, that your Neshama is Mamish, Chanukah uh, Neshama, and that, that first reincarnation of yours was a member of the Sanhedrin from the tribe of Yisachar. So whenever it comes to Chanukah, it has to be from the Bnei Sasser. Bnei Sasser is Mamish Chanukah. So, I'll share with you an idea that the Bnei Sasser writes. So he's talking about this idea of, again, going back, of the mezuzah being on the left and the menorah on the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the mezuzah on the right, the menorah on the left. What's the message of that? So the Nesosko says the following thing. He says as follows. He says, the mezuzah versus the menorah represent two different components of, of Yiddishkeit. Says Nesosko, the menorah is always representative. It's always a symbol of Torah, of Torah. Kiner mitzvah, the Torah are. Torah is considered light. Torah is compared to light. The Gemara says that when Aaron Akayin, Aaron Akayin, the Kayin Gadol, when he was learning something and had difficulty in understanding, he would go look at the candles of the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash in the Mishkan. He would meditate on the candles and he would have uh, insight into his learning. The menorah always represents learning. This is why the menorah is so. You know that's that's why it's the point. It, it's the it's the vessel through which we celebrate Hanukkah because it's well known that one of the major themes of Hanukkah is the Jewish people's conflict with Greek philosophy. Are we going to become more oriented towards Greek philosophy or Jewish philosophy, Torah versus Greek philosophy? So the menorah, the, the victory over the Greeks, is metaphorically speaking, means the decision of the Jewish people to go with Torah as opposed to Greek philosophy. So the menorah represents that. So the menorah represents Torah. That's on the one side. Says the Bnei Sashar, what's the mezuzah? The mezuzah represents mitzvahs. Mitzvahs. Now, even though it's interesting, the mezuzah that we have on the doorpost, if you open it up, so it's, it's Torah, right? So it's parshas of Shema inside. But the mezuzah represents, in this context, says the Bnei Sashar, the mezuzah represents mitzvahs ma'asis, physical mitzvahs. So you have Torah on one side, Torah and mitzvahs. Now, the Bnei Sashar then goes a step further. He says, when we think about Torah and mitzvahs, and we think about it, again, in, more, um, in a more broad sense, it represents even further. It represents the following dynamic. Torah represents heaven, and mitzvahs represent earth. When a person is learning, it doesn't matter what you're learning, but when you're learning, you're not here. You're not here. Where are you? Well, altogether somewhere else. 
So some people that they're, you know, that they love learning, they love reading, it's even hard to, you know, to get their attention sometimes. They could be learning something and like something's going on, you know, and uh, they're, they're, they're lost somewhere. They're somewhere else. So there is such a thing. Torah has a quality of heavenliness. It has a quality of otherworldliness. And that's what's amazing about Torah, because even though you're learning what you're learning about, whether it be Pasuk and Chumash, whether it be Halacha, it's something that is maybe about stuff in the world, but it's altogether a different space. So Torah represents, says Bnei Yisrael, represents heaven, otherworldliness. On the other hand, what are mitzvahs? Mitzvahs are mamish practical. The mezuzah, which represents mitzvahs in this context, means mamish practical, mamish down-to-earth living in this world. Says the Bnei Yisrael, what is Chanukah? Chanukah, the message of Chanukah is mezuzah on the right, menorah on the left, and tzitzis in the middle. Right? That's what the Shilta said, tzitzis in the middle. What is tzitzis? So it's interesting. So when in, in, in Kriyashma, so it talks about the mitzvah tzitzis. You know what it says over there? It says that a man should wear tzitzis. He looks at the tzitzis. And by looking at the tzitzis, he's reminded of all the mitzvahs. That's learning. And then he does the mitzvahs. That's called, that's called keeping mitzvahs. Tzitzis represent the union between those two worlds of Torah and mitzvahs. That's what tzitzis are. That's how the Pasuk <coughs> describes it. You look at the tzitzis, you remember Yiddish, you remember Torah, you remember the mitzvahs, that's called learning about them, and then you actually keep them. Says the Bnei Sashar, putting all of this together, says the Bnei Sashar, the message of the position of the menorah, being opposite the mezuzah, and the shildis describing the one lighting the, lighting the menorah wearing tzitzis, represents the following point. That the, it's, it's, a, it's a lesson to define for us, where do we live? Like, where do we live? Sounds like a funny question, where do you live? I don't know, wherever your address is. We're right now in 116 Harborview East, right? That's where we are. That's the way he said. So that's where, that's where we are right now. But when a, when a Jew has to ask themselves, or is asked, like, where do you live? The answer can't be in heaven. But the answer can't be on planet Earth. The answer for a Jew is somewhere in between. Every single Jew has to see themselves, him and her, has to see themselves as being sent here for a particular purpose, a mission, which is to uplift this world, to bring the Rabbanu presence into this world, to conquer earth for heaven. Now, in order to, to do that, that means that you have to have one foot in heaven. You have to have one foot on planet earth. Because if a person is completely earthbound, then you become earthly. If you're completely heavenly, then you're a Martian. You have no, you're not going to accomplish anything. The job of a Jew is to somehow figure out a way to be in the middle, to unify Taira and mitzvahs, to bring those two worlds together. To bring those two worlds together. I've given, I, I've said this mashal before, so you know, forgive me if it's repetitive, but there's a famous mashal that was given by the Mizritcha Magid, the great Mizritcha Magid, the student of the Baal Shem Tov that took over the, the movement. So he used to say that the story of a Jew was the following thing. He said there was once a king, and the king calls over his top, his, his closest advisor, general, whatever, and he says, and he says to the person, he says, listen, I have a problem. What's the problem, king? The problem is that my malchus, my kingdom is Gavaldic. The problem is there's some island at the far end of my kingdom, and over there, they're living like, uh, they're living like barbarians. They're not living the way people of my malchus, of my kingdom are supposed to live. 
So therefore the king says to his beloved, his trusted servant, therefore I'm sending you on a mission, you have to go to this country, you have to live there, and you have to teach them the ways of royalty, that they should become princes. So the person said, okay, fine, I accept. But in order to do that, I have to, I have to live there, because otherwise, you know, I have to be able to learn their culture, their language, I have to be able to identify with them in order to pick them up. So the king says, yeah, I know, that's what I'm sending you. Yeah, he says, but, but, but the king, my, 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 you know, uh, my, my, my master, my problem is that if I, in order to do this, I have to become part of them, I'm afraid that I'm going to become a barbarian with them. So the king says, okay, so stay here. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to accept the mission. I'm just, I'm just concerned. So the king says, hey, so go there. Yeah, but if I go there, I'm going to become... So, so the king said, you know what the king said? He said, so yeah, you have to be here and there at the same time. That's what Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu says when he's barring, buying a, uh, the Maris Machpelah for Sarah. So he's talking to the to the people of Ches over there. So he says, the, Avram Avinu describes himself. It's really the first place in, in Tanakh that a Jew describes himself. Tied to really define what a Jew is. Avram Avinu is the first Jew. So there's things that happen to him. But, we're, but, but if we had to have one line which defines what a Jew is. So this is the first place in Of Tanakh that the first Jew identifies himself. And Avram Avinu says the following sentence, Ger I am a resident and a guest amongst you. A resident and a guest. What does that mean? Which one is it? That's the secret of a Jew. The secret of a Jew is to be a resident and a guest. To be involved in the world, but not too invested in the world. Involved enough to fix things, but not too invested to get down and to be brought down by the world. This is the secret of this is what This is what Hanukkah is all about, because Hanukkah, I've mentioned this before, Hanukkah historically was a transitional period in the Jewish people. Pre-Hanukkah, you're talking about the first base of Megdash, time of prophecy. That's heaven. Post-Hanukkah, you're talking about the period of the Oral Torah, Mishnayis, the second temple, it's very earthbound. The Hanukkah is the middle. Hanukkah bridges those two worlds. Hanukkah is comprised of two miracles. The one had the miracle of the, the military victory, which was very earthly, very practical. You read, I'm not recommending this, but if you, if you read Josephus, for example, which is the War of the Jews, the history of, of Hanukkah is contained in, in Josephus, and he talks about the strategy, the Chashmanoim. It was guerrilla warfare. They had, it wasn't, you know, by David Melech, the Zara Kaddish says that by David Melech, when David went to war, so everyone knows this, what's Mug and David, right? The Star of David. That's not Mug and David means the shield, the shield of David Melech. David Melech had a had a, a symbol on his shield, but it wasn't the star. It wasn't the star that has a source, but it wasn't the star. What David Melech had on his shield was the menorah. The picture of the menorah on his shield. A capital tilim in particular was etched out in his shield as the shape of the menorah. That was the shield of David. The Zara says that when David went to battle, obviously he had strategy and so on. But with David and Melch, when he went to battle, he had his shield, he had Kavanis, he was thinking about God's names in the menorah, and that, the enemies just fell before him. So, by the first base of Megdash, the wars of David and Melch, they were well miraculous. And then you have the Chashmanoim, the wars of the Chashmanoim were very practical, very down to earth. I mean, it was obviously, looking back, it was miraculous, but at the time, it was very earthly. And then you have the other miracle of Hanukkah, which is finding that jar of oil, which is altogether otherworldly, that's, a, that's an open miracle. Hanukkah is both. You understand? Hanukkah is both. Hanukkah is unifying, bridging, clipping the, the, uh, the pre, pre-Hanukkah era with the post-Hanukkah era. Because Hanukkah is the message 
for the Jewish people as we're about to go into exile. If you think about it, Hanukkah was the last yontif we had that's going to take us to Mashiach. There's no other yontif after Hanukkah. So Hanukkah, not only is a beautiful yontif on its own, but it's also the farewell message, so to speak, of Hashem as we go into Galas. And Hashem is giving us a message about how we're supposed to handle Galas. The purpose of Galas, when we're in exile, again, when, when we go to, you know, in, in, in school and so on, we're, 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 we're told again and again and again, and the messaging usually is, is that Galas is a big bediavit. Golis is just a punishment because we're terrible people and uh, we're sent into exile. And it's true, not that we're terrible people, but it is true that Golis is a, there's, it's because of our sins. But there's purpose in Golis. The, the purpose of the exile is that we should go from country to country, becoming somehow part of the culture, becoming somewhat identified with, that, with the personality of that culture, but then using it in Hashem and making it heavenly. Like Hashem, like there's a per- so the Jewish people go to France, and they become French, and they like they like eating croissants, you know what I mean, and they speak French, and they take on a little bit of the French culture, and you have to do that you, because the the purpose of of exile is to uplift these places. So to uplift these places, there's a part of it that has to identify with it, but unfortunately, if you become too French, then finished. So there has to be a part of you that's in France, and a part of you that's still in heaven. And that's what Golis is, and that's the message of Hanukkah. This is why Hanukkah is, again, it's the menorah on the right, Torah, the mezuzah on the left, mitzvahs, heaven and earth, tzitzis in the middle, unifying the two. This is also why the menorah is, is low, but not too low. Low, but not too low. If it was mamish on the ground, that means you're all in to planet earth. No. If it's too high, that means you're still in heaven. It's also no good. You have to be low. You have to be part of the world, but not too low. To float a little bit, to be invested in the world, but not too invested. That's, that's the secret of what it means to be a Jew. And I'll tell you, as we get closer to Mashiach and the world gets crazier and crazier and crazier, th- this, this, this is the only way to survive it. It's the only way to survive it. Because if you get too, uh, too invested, you lose your mind. And if you completely separate yourself from things, first of all, good luck. right? And second of all, it's, uh, it also... Uh, it's also unhealthy and, and it doesn't serve a purpose. We have to be able to navigate through life sort of looking at it, you know, with like a little bit of a, of a haziness. Like I'll give you a, simple, a silly example. I'll give you a silly example. So I recently got new glasses because my old glasses got like completely scratched. I needed to get new glasses. Okay, no big deal. But I'll tell you something. When I got the new glasses, it was a part of me was a little bit like upset because when I had my old glasses, any, every time... Whenever I looked, it reminded me of like, th- there's a separation between me and what I'm seeing. You understand? But when the glasses are, let's say you're in context, if you don't have glasses at all, it's like you see things clearly. So that means that you're really connected with what you're seeing. But if there's a little bit of a haze, a little bit of a disconnect, uh, I'm a little bit crazy like that. But that's, you know, I need to the glasses. Like, I got no glasses. What am I supposed to do? I have no choice. But there, is, but there is this thing of a Jew like not getting too stuck. You don't get too stuck in, in small things. That's why one of the symbols of Hanukkah, not symbols, one of the messages of Hanukkah, one of the young Hanukkah is Sholom Bayes, right? The union between a 
masculine and feminine, those two, those two qualities. It's a very big Indian by, by Hanukkah. The Gemara says, for example, that, you know, Shalom Bayes uh, trumps Hanukkah. If you have a conflict between Hanukkah or, or, or Shabbos candles, a Nebuchadnezzar person can't afford both. So which one do you pick? So you pick near Shabbos because Shalom Bayes. So Hanukkah is very much connected to Shalom Bayes. What does this, what does that do with Shalom Bayes? So, Masculine versus I'm not talking about people per se, but the concept of zacher versus nekeva. Zacher is usually oriented towards impractical, and it's just in theory. And then you have, and, and then and then, if, then feminine is more oriented towards practical. The union of the two, the sholem between the two of them, meeting in the middle, that's called Hanukkah. That's what Hanukkah is. And so this is this is this is how how a Jew has to live. Like you have to be involved in the world. You have to know what's going on. But you don't have to know everything, and you don't have to get enmeshed in everything, and you don't have to take everything to heart. You don't have to. You know what's going on. You're involved, but you float. You float a little bit. Remember, remind yourself that you're center of the drill. Thank you. You have to remi- remind yourself that you're sent here. That, that see, that's the nakuda. If you think of yourself as from planet Earth, then you're in planet Earth. You have to see yourself as a messenger from the Rabbani Shalom into this world to fix this place. And once you identify yourself as a messenger, then that means you're here, because that's, that's, that's where you've been sent, but that's not where you're from. And you don't take it personally when you see the chaos of the place that you're sent to. That's, that's why I was sent there. You know what I mean? To fix things and to help things. So you don't take it personally. You don't get too caught up in it. You recognize that the world that you're a part of is, automa- is by, it's for sure not going to be perfect. See, this is also the thing. A person that goes in the world and expects perfection, it means that you're still thinking heaven. Because heaven is perfect. So if, there's a, if you're still thinking, I want to be in heaven, then you're going to be disappointed when you see anything that's imperfect. You have to know that this is not heaven. This is not heaven, which means it's not supposed to be perfect. But that's okay. We're here to fix things. We're here to do the best we can to make things as good as possible. And that's it. We're centered on the shlichas, we're centered on that mission. What does it do with the dreidel? The first hint to the dreidel, what are the letters of the dreidel, right? Nun gimel heishen, right? So the first hint to that, that the Svarim, the Bnei Sosner himself points this out, is the Pasuk in, uh, in Parshas Vayigash, after Yosef reveals himself to the brothers and he sends the message to Yaakov that, you know, that everyone should come. So it says that Yaakov sends Yehuda ahead of everyone else. That's Yehuda Shalach Lafan of Gaishna. Yehuda is sent as a messenger, sent on Eshlichas to the city of Gaishen, which is where the Jewish people would end up uh, settling. Laharis Lafan of Gaishna says Rashi to establish a base madrash. So Yosef is already in Mitzrayim. He's going to take care of the practical stuff. He has the food, he has the housing, he's taking care of all of that. Yehuda is being sent in advance to meet Yosef to establish a yeshiva with learning. So you have heaven meeting earth, with Yehuda being sent as a messenger in that context. And the word that the Pasuk uses is Yehuda Shalach Lafan of Gaishna. Gaishna. Gaishna means Ligaishan to Gaishan. But it doesn't say Ligaishan, it says Gaishna. Those are the same letters as the, as the dreidel. Nun Gimlahishan. Gaishna. Because that's the, sim, that's the secret of the dreidel. The secret of the dreidel is, is that I am sent here on a mission. I am sent here on a mission. I'm from heaven and I'm sent to earth. And because I'm from heaven, it means that I know what perfection looks like. But I'm sent to earth means that I know that this is not where perfection lives. 
But I'm here to bring as much perfection as possible. I don't take it personally. I don't, I don't allow it to consume me. I don't allow my life to become taken over by the things of this world. Although I know that my purpose is to try to help and to improve the things of this world. I have one foot there, one foot here. I'm a messenger. You who sent there. Therefore, when you have the mentality, sometimes the straighter lands on a gimel, it's gavaldic. Sometimes it lands on a shin, not as nice. But that's okay. Because as, as a messenger, then my job is to do whatever I can with the situation that's placed in front of me. If I'm from here, then I could take every, then whatever my situation is, I take very personally and I take very, maybe too seriously. But if I'm not from here, so if you're, if you're a guest somewhere, so, you know, it's one of those things, like, you know, if you're a guest by someone for a Shabbos, whatever it is, so if you're, if you're, you know, if, if you're the, the balasabais of the house, then if the food is not 100% or there's something wrong with the dishes, whatever it is, like you notice it. And so what usually happens is that you think the guests also notice it. But you know, it's usually not like that because the guests are just happy. They're not taking anything too seriously and too personally. Okay, so you know, this wasn't 100%. They, they don't even notice it. When you're a guest somewhere, you, you accept the situation that's in front of you, and that's it. You move, like, you're not taking it to heart so much. That's, that's what it means to be, to be a messenger. So when you have that, whether it be a gimel, a nun, and a shin, it's all revolving around one axis. One axis, one point, one central point, which is, um, I have one foot in heaven, one foot here, and I'm being centered by the Rabbanu to accomplish something, to bring something good into the world. And whatever the situations may be, whatever position I'm put in, whatever, whatever environment I'm placed in, a nun, gimel, or hey, or vishen, it's okay with me, because that's my job. My job is to try to bring a little heaven into earth. And I know earth is not heaven, heaven is not earth, I get it. But I'm trying to bring a little bit of, earth, of heaven into earth. That's, what, that's the message of Hanukkah. And that's the most important thing when a person, you have a home, you have a, you have a family. It's to create that environment of, of just, you know, of that serenity, that peacefulness, that you look at the Hanukkah candles, that brings you, it's that peacefulness to, that, that comes with knowing that I'm here, but I'm not really from here. And that's okay. And that's okay. And whatever happens in life, it's all good. It's all good. It all revolves from one central point, which is Hashem being the king. All right, let me end off with a quick story. It's, um, it's a famous story, so you forgive me. You probably all know it. It's just, it's just a reminder. One of the great, there's, uh, one of the great Rebbe's, the great Siddiquim, was the Rebbe of Alexander, the Alexander Rebbe. So it was well known that by him, one of the big things to see was him lighting Hanukkah candles. It was like a big thing. So people would travel. Oh, people would travel all the, from all over in order to see his Hanukkah candles. <clears throat> so one particular uh, Hanukkah, one night of Hanukkah, so he was about to light the candles. It's, everything's ready. Everyone's w- w- watching, whatever. And he's holding the candle. He's saying there. He's not lighting it. A few minutes go by, and he whispers something to, to his gabai next to him. And when the Gabi hears whatever the whisper was, he starts looking around the crowd and, you know, he, he finds the person, he was, they, some guy, this really, really tall chassid, and he brings this tall chassid over to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe, he's like, wait for me? He says, he says, Yankel, your name is whatever, Yankel, he says, Yankel, you're very tall. Said, yes, Rebbe, I'm very tall. He said, but Yankel, but your wife is very short. So he's like, it's a funny thing for Chassid Rebbe to talk about that, but he says, your wife is very short. He says, yeah, okay. So he said, but, so Yankel, I understand. So if you have a, a secret to tell your wife, like, how do you do it? Because you're so tall. She's so short. How, how do you work it out? So, so, so Yankel says, that, that's the Reverend wants, that's what he's asking me. That's, what hold, that's what's holding up the, the, the Hanukkah camp. 
So how do you do it? I say, how do you do it? I, I, I bend down if I need to tell her something. And so the Rebbe gets very excited. He said, oh, you bend down. And what does your wife do when you're bending down? So I, she, she goes up on her toes. You know, she goes up a little bit. That's how. She says, oh, what's, what's going on? So he says, the Rebbe explains, he says, listen, I'm standing there with the Hanukkah candle, you know, with the Shamash, getting ready to light, and I'm looking around the room, and I see all these people watching me as if I'm the big tzaddik. And I thought to myself, Rabban Shalom, I'm mamish, so short. And God, you're so tall. And I'm supposed to light a chachan candle? Why am I supposed to do that? So then I reminded myself, one second, Yanko's also very tall. And his wife is short. So he should have the same problem as me. So let me hear what he does. So he calls Yanko over. And he hears this message that Yanko goes down and his Rebetzin goes up. And they meet in the middle like that. Now Yanko is going, he's going much lower than his wife is going up, right? His wife is raising herself up an inch or two. I mean, how, 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 tall, you know, how much taller can you get? Yanko's going down a foot. So he said to myself, you know what, Rabbanu Shalom Ataka short, and you're very, very tall. But as long as I could, if I pick myself up just an inch, then that's enough for you to come down miles and miles and miles. And with that, I collect Hanukkah candles, because that's what a Jew is. A Jew is, you go on your tippy toes, and heaven comes to you. But you got you to pick yourself, you got to go on your tippy toes. You can't, you can't be, you can't be mamish uh, on the ground. You have to be a little bit up. When you're a little bit up, then heaven comes to you. That's the story of Hanukkah. Hashem Shabbat us. That we should be zochah to be able to fulfill our mission to uplift the world, to bring light into heaven, to bring heaven into into earth, uplift the world that much, and we should be zochah to celebrate together. Tamamish nisim guliyim biyomim bezmanazeb biyas mashiach zekina barachemim biyas gold tzedek meherevimin amen. And again, thanks again to uh, to the to the host and hostess for for opening their home. Really, the Fleischmann should be zochah to see all brachas and all nachas from them, for the whole family, for the whole kila, from all of Klai Yisrael biyas gold tzedek. Ashikayach. <laughs>